Glad that you're here. Hey, my name is Jose, and uh, we're going to just jump right in. If you do uh, need a Bible, we've got plenty of printed copies. We'll have to get one in your hands. The way we do it, just slip up uh, your hand, and they'll get a copy of the Scriptures to you. If you do um, get it, go to 1 Thessalonians 1. Just slip up your hand. If not, open your Bible, open up your app, and we'll look at 1 Thessalonians uh, 1. Great. How's everyone doing this morning? Pretty good? Pretty good? Duck fans? Whatever. I just, I, I, I just, like, I couldn't help it, man. But, like, mercy, grace, healing, whatever you need, it's in Jesus. Unless you're a Stanford fan, then you're just rejoicing. All right. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for a day. We're grateful that we can laugh, even about sports, which is fun, but... Um, not of infinite value. You, you, Jesus, are a greater value than all things, than our work, than the, the resources that we have, than the houses that we live in, cars, all these things come and go, and yet you remain. Jesus, we're asking you this morning to awaken us to who you are so that we can live more like you and live in a way that pleases you. That would be our greatest joy, Jesus, to at the end of our life hear you say, you did it well. Not perfect, but well. Well done. Now enjoy the reward of the master. Uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in a series called Follow Me. This is week uh, six, and we've been looking, and we specifically had this done at the end of an outreach event we did uh, called Good News Today. How many of you there were at the Good News Today event? Yeah, many of you were there. And so we invited people at the event to start or restart following Jesus. And in today's eclectic religious world where everyone has their opinion about everything, we're not even on the same page probably on what that means. So we're doing this series to get ourselves on the same page. When Jesus said, follow me, what does that look like? So we've looked at a bunch of things. What a disciple is. Jesus said, I want you to become my disciple. We looked at what that is. We looked at how we do that together. The church is a group of people trying to follow Jesus Together, we looked at the Bible words, the power of God's word in our life. We looked at the Holy Spirit. God said, I'm going to live with you. Jesus said, I'm going to send the comforter. And you're going to walk with God because his presence will be with you. And then how do we activate God's presence? We can pray. We're invited to talk to God. We're invited to listen to God. And so all of those things are part of what it means to follow Jesus. But I want to ask you a question this morning. What difference does it make in you taking your faith seriously when it comes to others? What difference does you taking Jesus seriously make in the lives of the people around you? Let's just do this experiment, and this is unscientific. I'm going to give you two options, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if this option uh, refers to you. Okay, first option, you came to faith in Jesus because primarily the influence of a person could have been a mom or dad, could have been a friend, could have been a pastor, uh, but there was someone who influenced you and then it clicked and you said, you know what, I want to follow Jesus like them. Second option, you were curious, seeking, and so you started to do research. It wasn't a person, but it was more of, I'm going to read the Bible, I'm going to read a book, I'm going to listen to a podcast, I'm going to do my search, and, and then in my search I got my answers, and then I chose to follow Jesus. Now, I know we're a mix of both, but I want to ask you primarily which camp you find yourself in. 
All right, we'll do the little show of hands. How many would say it was the influence of another person that led to you following Jesus? I want you to look around. All right, drop your hands. How many would say, all right, there were people, of course, but it was really a search. I went on a search and I looked and, that, and I found my answers in following Jesus. Okay, that's great. Thank, thank you. Um, if, if that's you and you raise your hand in the second camp, doesn't mean your experience is less valid. It just shows the nature of how we communicate truth. Most of us came to faith, I want to say like 90% who came to faith said here, it was because the influence of a person. So we're going back to that question. How does your following Jesus make a difference to the lives of other people? In one sense, we can end it. You answered it. God uses you and me to help influence people to see how great he is. We are what the Bible calls his witnesses. If you've looked at the, the book that we gave you, if not, there's still copies out there. This chapter, chapter six, is on being a witness, sharing your story. Now, you already are a witness. What is a witness? A witness is someone who shares God's message. That's what a witness is. Uh, think of the Think of the courtroom scene and lawyers trying to make their case. What do they call? They call witnesses. Are witnesses silent? No. A witness has seen something. A witness has heard something. But the role of the witness is to share what they've seen and heard and experienced. And so I'm going to suggest to you that you already are a witness. And so the question is, what kind of witness are we? The good news, my friend, is it's a message. The good news is it's a message. It's not just something that's a philosophy or an idea. It's just not something that's internalized and like a truth for me. By nature, the good news of Jesus is a message. So you're a witness. You already have seen, you've heard, and now you're called to pass on the story. Now, all of this, if you've been following Jesus, you already know, and probably... If you're like me, you probably are feeling a little guilty because like, you know, I know that's true and I know people influence people, but man, I, I really haven't been very influential. I haven't been helping anybody to experience life in Jesus. So this is exciting for some. For, for many, you, like, you feel like, I'm not qualified to do this. I know we're supposed to be a witness, right? But I'm, that's, that I'm, I don't know enough. And you don't know my story. I've messed up. And if, if people look at my example, they're probably not going to want to follow Jesus because my road isn't like, you know, all we want in, in all of life, married life, business life, whatever. We want everything to go like the chart goes up, up, up. I started broke and then I just went up and I had kids and I had more money. And they went to college, but I had more money. They got married and I had more. And you're like, yeah, what mythical universe are you in? I think most of us, the chart is like the stock market. It's like up and down. And that's like real life. So if you're following Jesus, isn't this like steady climb, but more ups and downs, I think you're called normal. That's normal Jesus following. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should just keep diving down. But I think most of us need to come to grips with the reality is that you are a witness to life-changing power of Jesus, even in your ups and downs. So, so you are a witness, and this good news is a message. And I want to set us free. I want to set us free this morning from this weird expectation that if I don't get it right, Jesus isn't happy with me. And if I don't always 
speak the right words at the right time to the right person, and make the most of every opportunity. I'm just like subpar. I just want to celebrate the fact that Jesus is inviting you and inviting me to be his witnesses. Most of you are influenced by someone else. By the way, they weren't perfect either. They may seem perfect in your eyes. They weren't perfect either, but God uses imperfect people to share a perfect message. It's the mystery. I don't know why God has chosen to do this, but he's chosen to use you and me. So you are a witness. What is a witness? I think there's a great um, uh, definition by, he's now with the Lord, Bill Bright, who founded Crew, which used to be called Campus Crusade for Christ. And this is what he said about witnessing. Success, because we all want to be successful, success in witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving the results to God. I want to read it again. Success, getting it right, and witnessing is about taking the initiative to share Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving the results to God. That ought to set us free to be the people that God wants us to be. He wants us, and here's our part, he wants us to learn to take initiative. The news is already there, and it's already good, and God's already done the work. And what you and I can do, what's my part? I can take initiative because the power of the Holy Spirit to make that message real is already there. And guess what? The results are in God's hands. So, so I want us to look at that this morning. I said 1 Thessalonians 1. Since you're there, what, what happened here? Because most of us don't remember how a church was founded. If you read Acts 17, Paul is traveling, sharing the gospel. He makes it to Thessalonica. He's there for at least three weeks. All Acts 17 says is he was there three weeks. It was probably more, but at least almost a month. But when he's there and he's sharing the good news, there were some Jews like him who believed and some non-Jews who weren't like him who believed and a church was started. But then people got jealous and what they did was they started to speak bad about Paul and started a riot. Next thing you know it, within a few short weeks or months, Paul's kicked out. And if you're him who wants to see everyone in the city become a Christian, you could look at your experience in Thessalonica and say, you know what, that was okay, mediocre, grade B, or a failure. Like I was there and I thought God wanted to use me in a big way. Yeah, a few people came to faith in Jesus, but not a ton. And then next thing you know it, I am kicked out. They literally sent him away because they were looking for Paul and Silas to kill him. And so he goes off to another town and he does his Jesus thing. And when he looks back, he could see it as a failure, except we read 1 Thessalonians 1. A couple of weeks after, maybe a month or two after leaving, Paul writes to this brand new church, small group of people who started to follow the way of Jesus. Look at what he says, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 4. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us. And of the Lord, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. When they chose to follow Jesus, the other Jews who rejected Jesus as Messiah started to come against them. 
So he's like, I watched you, and in the face of your brothers and sisters opposing you, you, you stuck in it. Verse 7, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we don't need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he received from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. So here's what I want to see. Paul leaves there, and it could seemingly be like he didn't make much of an impact until he reads the report. He writes to them and says, oh, wow. Even though I was uh, leaving earlier than I wanted to, what God has done in your life is starting to spread all throughout the Roman Empire. Thessalonica was a strategic city. It was like a New York or an LA or a Tokyo or a London. It was a key city. And so as word spreads from the big cities out to the smaller regions, what God was doing in their lives was becoming reported all over the known world. And so Paul finds comfort in five things. Five things I want you to see this morning really quick. When it comes to be a witness, we can learn from this example. Five things that ought to stimulate you and remind you, you can take the initiative. Number one, God the Father chooses. When we think about what it means to follow Jesus and, and help people, look at verse four. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he's chosen you. Why does Paul not get discouraged? Why does he keep going? Why does he, why does he continue in the face? Look, if people are beating me up from town to town, I ought to evaluate my career choice, right? Why? In the face of all this opposition, he's, he's persistent. He knows God's choosing them. You could translate it, out of God's love, he chose you. The New Living Translation, I think, gets it right. We know, dear brothers and sisters, listen, God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. What's God's choosing all about? It's the fact that God's love motivates him to action. Don't think God's choosing like accepted, rejected. We know that the good news is for absolutely everybody. But I want you to see this. God's love motivates him to do something, to call, to say, hello, I am here. And those who heard the message of Jesus, they realized God is calling me. That pressure isn't on you, friends. You need to know this. Whenever I'm meeting with someone, whenever I'm talking with someone, whenever faith comes up, whenever I see an open door, I need to remember God's love is already at work in their life. And in ways I cannot see, God is whispering to them and God is reaching out to them. God is always the one who takes the initiative. God is always active. So Paul could go to any town and talk to anybody. And what would happen if we remembered, you and I, if we remembered that God is already working wherever I go. God's already moving wherever I step. See, sometimes I'm afraid to be a witness because I think like they're going to reject the message, and they may in fact reject it. But I got to remember, God's already trying to get in touch with people before I'm even thinking about them. And that ought to motivate me to go. Second thing I want us to see is 
God the Son rescues. So the Father is showing love. And how does the Father show his love? He sends the Son. John 3, 16. God loved the world so much, he sends. He's active. He's calling. He's sending. And look at verse 10 of 1 Thessalonians. I'm calling you to wait for his Son from heaven, whom God raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Out of his great love, he sends the Son. And when it comes to helping people experience life in Jesus, I don't remember God, God the Father is choosing to show people his love. And he demonstrates that God the Son shows us what the love of the Father looks like. The Son lays down his life. God lays down his life for people who don't give a rip. That's love. It's not that God saw us trying to follow him and said, I'm going to meet you halfway. God saw us running away from him and he goes ahead of us and says, I'm going to send my son as the proof of love. Jesus demonstrates what rescue looks like. He goes and he gives his life as a ransom for many and the God the Father, he raises him to life. And so whenever I'm sharing with anybody, I need to remember the, the way for someone to come alive to God, it's already been taken care of. It's like I'm waiting, like, hey, God, if you'll do something in their life, then maybe things will turn around. God has already done everything. He's shown us his love. He's chosen to demonstrate it. 2,000 years ago, Jesus died and rose again. Everything has already been cared for. Now we just need to believe. Third thing, third reason that I ought to be confident as a witness is God the Spirit empowers so God the Father is calling and showing love. God the Son is rescuing. God the Spirit is empowering. Verse 5, our gospel came to you not simply with words. Remember, the good news is a message. But also with power, with the Holy Spirit, with deep conviction. See, the Holy Spirit's working in people's lives right now. The Holy Spirit doesn't start working in someone's life when they believe the Holy Spirit starts working in someone's life when they breathe, when they're born. The Holy Spirit is at work. So the Father showing his love and the Son rescued and the Son is risen. The Son's at the right hand of the, of the Father and the Holy Spirit is out there empowering people to believe and empowering me to speak. So hear me. Your words, my words don't have to be perfect. I think what we're waiting for is like, okay, Jose, when I can go up there and I can do a 20-minute or 40, or 50, or an hour speech in front of people. Say, like, you should go tell people about Jesus because you, you've got the words. I don't have the words. Let me just free you up. Your words are never going to be perfect, just like mine are never going to be perfect. And, and can I just, I'm going to double free you up. You don't always have to get it right. Success in witnessing is what? Taking the initiative. What God is looking for you to do, and the Holy Spirit is waiting for you to do, is to just take some initiative and take one step of faith, knowing the Father and the Son and the Spirit have done everything to set people free. This is so encouraging. The difference between someone sharing their faith and an evangelist sharing their faith, I'll give you a little inside scoop. If you go to share the gospel, you're probably hoping someone will respond to it. An evangelist knows someone will respond to it. That's the subtle difference. If I'm sharing the gospel, I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm not even wondering, oh Lord, some, I know that I know that I know that someone is going to respond to it, not because 
I've shared it or someone else shared it, I've just come to see over time that I know that God's at work and I know Jesus saves and I know the Spirit empowers. And so I don't even have to worry about it if I just fling the truth out there. If I just get it out there. I know that God's going to do something. And what I want you to do is to grow in that confidence that you're never wasting time and God's always doing something even when you don't see it. Fourth reason that we ought to be confident in sharing the faith is people hear and welcome the good news. People hear it and welcome. Now, I'm trying to give us the components because someone say like, how does someone actually become a Christian? What does it take? It takes God the Father. It takes God the Son. It takes God the Holy Spirit. And then it takes people hearing it and responding. Look at, look at verse 7, if you still have it open. And so you, speaking of this church, you became a model to all believers in Macedonia, in their region, and Achaia, their greater region. The Lord's message rang out from you. They heard it. Be uh, in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Jump down to the middle of verse 9. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living God. So what does it take? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then it's shared and people receive it and they hear it and they embrace it. And that's what happened. The reason that Paul could continue to go from city to city is wherever he went, one, two, five, ten, a hundred, day of Pentecost, a couple of thousand, the numbers change. But wherever Paul goes, he watches people, sometimes only a few, respond. They hear it and they respond to it, and he notices that God does the work, and then the message spreads. And then I flipped the order, but I put this fifth to make it last, but actually the order theoretically should be reversed. We communicate the good news in both words and in action. But I put it last on purpose because some, sometimes we put so much weight on this that we forget the others. Look at verse 5. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord for you welcomed the message. So I want you to notice how much involvement you have on, now I know there's one God and three persons, so I'm kind of splitting up God irrationally here, but just work with me. Of the five, you have one part to play. That's what, that's what I want you to see. People are going to respond, and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all working in unity to draw them. You only have one part to play. It's important that you and I share both in words and in actions, but there's so much more going on. Here's my point. You don't have God's role. Why should I be free to live as a witness and share my story regularly? Because I don't have God's job. God's job is to call, show his love, Rescue, he's already done it in Jesus. Empower, open people's eyes. The Holy Spirit does that. I can't convince anyone to become a Christian even though I try to be convincing. Like I want to be like compelling. I don't want to be lame. How many of you want to be lame? No, I don't want to be lame. So I prepare and I think and I illustrate, use a joke here or there because it makes you feel better about yourself and then keep going. I want to be convincing, but I'm not going to convince anyone to follow Jesus only God can do that in someone's soul. But I could do my part. Paul shared the message and lived in a compelling way. You followed our example. You followed us and the Lord, which is so cocky. 
<laughs> in one sense. You followed me and the Lord. Paul's life was in alignment with the gospel. So he could say, hey, you follow me as I follow Jesus the Messiah. So I share the gospel not just as a message, this is the good news, oh, but by the way, I don't live it out. That's like not helpful. But in word and in action, not perfectly, even though the good news is perfect, my application of it will never be perfect, but I can humbly say, follow this way as I have followed Jesus. I think sometimes we feel intimidated because we think the pressure's on us. I remember this as a kid, it freaked me out. If you don't share Jesus with someone, um, they may never hear and they're gonna go to hell. And as a kid, I was like, whoa. And that, that in, in one part is right. If people don't hear the good news, then they won't respond in faith, right? And then the natural result is they'll live apart from God forever. So there's pressure to it. But I remember this little subtle twist, about, like you better get out there tomorrow because people are going to die tomorrow. And if you don't share today, they're going to die tomorrow. And man, those realities are there. People apart from Christ have no hope. But I remember the subtle twist becoming the way I interpreted it. And my own soul was like, oh shoot, the pressure's on you, Jose. You better get this thing out. And now I realize, well, wow, A, that's defeatist. Because, man, we're going to have days where we're a bold witness. We're going to have days where we don't witness to Jesus at all. The pressure is not on me to do what only God can do. God saves. But the responsibility is on me to take the initiative to partner with God who does save. And that is a lot more freeing. I get to, like we say on our team a lot, Nate Kupish does this. If you say, oh, man, I got to do this. So say, no, 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 you don't, you, don't, you don't got to do this. You get to do this. It works perfect when it comes to cleaning a room from a parent to a child. You don't have to clean your room. You get to. This is a unique privilege and opportunity that you get every day to fluff that pillow and put those sheets back and put away those clothes that were provided graciously to you by me. You get to do this. In the same way, being a witness is something we get the privilege of partnering with God. God is speaking and we get to speak on his behalf. So encouraging. All right, now you say, well, what can I do? That's great. That's the theology. That's the, the mindset of Paul. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are at work. People are hearing and responding it. I speak and I live it out. What can you do right now, though? I'm going to fly through 10 things that you and I can do. 10 things any one of us, you say, I'm not a speaker. I'm not a communicator. I don't like this, but I'm kind of convinced maybe I should be a part of this. I get to do this. Ten things that you can do. First thing, you can pray. We can pray. We can ask God. We, we know people who seem far from him. We could ask God, God, I know you love them. I know you sent your son to save them. Holy Spirit, I know that you're working in their life. God, use someone to get the message out. And if you want to include me, I'm scared to death, but available infrequently, possibly, maybe. Now, hopefully your prayer is a little bolder than that, but, but start there. We can pray. Second thing, we can learn the good news of Jesus. Sometimes we don't share it because it's not thought through in our own brain. This is not a mean statement, but I have to be honest. Some of you have been in the church so long, uh, you've forgotten how to speak the faith normally. 
because we just we have all these phrases and words. We've, we've talked about our faith to other Christians. So how do I communicate this to someone who doesn't believe? We just don't have that, that language again. What we could do is we can find out. We can ask someone. We can talk. We can learn. We can watch. We can listen. We can learn the good news in everyday language. I can do that. That's, that's something I could take the initiative. Third thing, we could spend time with people. We could simply spend time with, with people. Jesus in the Gospels is, spends more time in people's houses than at the temple. More of the settings of Jesus' stuff is on a hillside, by the lake, in a boat, in a home. He's with people. If you want to be and live as a witness, what you could do is intentionally spend time with people, not just people that are like you or believe like you, but you can invest that energy in people that don't live or look like you. We can invite our friends to become their friends. If you have friends, some of us are living in two worlds. We have friends who love and follow Jesus. We have friends who don't or colleagues or neighbors who don't. You want to be a witness? Try and find places to merge those worlds. So I would suggest around food because like this group doesn't have anything in common with this group. Lie. Both sets breathe. Okay. Both sets eat. So just find food opportunities where some of you and your Jesus friends are connecting with some. And who knows, maybe someone else in that group will do more of the speaking and your life will validate what they're saying. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we could do this together. Maybe it's not just your job. Maybe it's our job. Uh, you, you can invite people to share their story. So often we think that witnessing is about me getting my message to people. And that's partly true. It is a message and it's good news and we should share it. But wouldn't it be better if we knew where someone was coming from? I would dare suggest this. There are people that you have known for 5, 10, or 15 years, and you actually don't know them yet. You don't know them yet. You work with them, you're seated by them, you go to class with them, and you've gone to this level, you know, the ABCs, you know, like your name and where you're from and the weather. Right? And maybe you've gone to sports teams and that becomes conflict, so you jump back to ABC, right? <laughs> and then, but what about, what, they, what about they, what do they really feel about life? What are their fears? What are their hopes? What are their dreams? What if we were good at asking open-ended questions? You know, if money weren't an issue, what would you invest your life in? Not where would you go on vacation, but what would you invest your life in? If someone was able to fund it, what would you pour your energy into? It's surprising what people may say. You may, you know, what are some of the deepest, with all the bad news that's going on in the world, what are some of the things that trouble you the most? We all hate the headlines. We all hate the news. But what's the stuff when you read that headline that really punches you in the gut? Find out where people are, what their passions are, and then some of their disappointments. If they've ever thought about God or ever gone to church, what did you find disappointing? Have you ever, have you ever read the Bible? No, why not? What is it about the Bible that's not worth our time? And it's okay for someone to have an answer. Like, I think it's made up by, by people. I think it's 
religious hocus pocus. Whatever the case may be, listen to their story because that's the best place to start. Jesus often found people where they were at and he started there and then he moved them into the truth. And so sometimes we just don't know where to start. Well, don't make it up. Ask them. They'll probably tell you. Uh, We can share our story. Maybe you don't know all the Bible and all the theology and the Bible verses, but has God been doing anything in your world? Your story is not just what happened when you started to follow Jesus. That's part of your story. That's kind of big. It's kind of like Carmen and I have been married for 25 years. Our wedding day was important, right? But it's not where it ended. It's where it started. So our relationship isn't about our wedding day. Our marriage isn't about June 5th. It's about the last 25 years. And so in the same way, your story, your witness is about what God has been teaching you and what you've been learning and what you still haven't figured out. Your story is about the things about God that are still clueless to you. I think it's more disarming when we say like, man, we don't understand God fully, but we're learning. The things about Jesus, I just, I just don't understand. That's like more acceptable to someone who's not following Jesus than let me tell you everything you need to know about everything you need to know, because I know. I think we could be honest with people and simply tell our story. Uh, we could share a story about Jesus. You could do that. I think that fewer and fewer people actually know anything Jesus said or did. The Bible has been pulled out of society. It used to be taught in schools. Now it's not. It used to be at the center place of culture in America. Now it's not. So with every passing year, people actually know less about the real Jesus than ever before. So you could focus on one thing that Jesus says. Find something that's intriguing about Jesus, some statement, something he did, some place he went, and just stick with that one. Let that be your go-to. And when it comes to witness, go back to the thing that Jesus said or the thing that Jesus did. Interestingly enough, Jesus described himself as the son. He described himself as a shepherd. He described himself as bread. He described himself as light. He described himself as life. He described himself as truth, the way. He described himself as a gate. He said he was a vine. So Jesus knew how to describe God and his love in various ways to different people. And I think we can grow in that. We can answer questions. Uh, You can do that. You can find out where people are stuck in the sense of, yeah, I would love to believe, but find out what's your biggest questions. Hey, if you ever thought about following Jesus, what five questions would you have to have answered in order for you to even think about it? Start there. You say, I don't know the answers. Guess what? God's got a massive team and some people's brains really are on all cylinders. Not mine necessarily, but there's actually information out there. There are books, there are resources, there are podcasts. There's all sorts of material out there that people can wrestle with real good answers and you don't have to know them all, but you can guide them. You say, well, what do I do? Someone asks me the big question. That's great. Man, I have no idea. What if we found out together? Would you be open to that? And guess what? Call your smartest Christian friend and put the weight on them, man. (laughs) Serious. Call them. Text them. Say help. And guess what? Guess what? They could be helpful, and together we can help get people's questions answered without using the excuse, I'm not going to take the initiative because what if people realize I don't know that much? 
Let's not make that the excuse. A witness, successful witness, is simply taking the initiative, the initiative, one step, to share Jesus, trusting the power of the Holy Spirit, and guess what? Leaving the results to God. If they are less inclined to follow Jesus after talking to you, you're not going to feel great about yourself. Let's not kid ourselves. But you shouldn't feel guilty. The results are in God's hands. God does the saving. I simply do the pointing. I point people in his direction. All right, for some of you practical people, we can demonstrate God's love in a practical way. You can do that. You say, well, I'm not good on the speaking. Great, live like Jesus. You, you can find, if there are people in your world who say that they're, they're far from God, they're not even thinking about Jesus, how can you love them? Not as a bait and switch. Hear me, friend. It's not like, hey, you need help moving? Great, I'm there. I'll bring 30 people. Great, and now next week we're going to sit down for two hours. I need to tell you what's wrong with your life and how, how God can fix it. That's, that's not, that's, no, I'm, I'm talking about genuinely Loving people. Why? Because God loves them first. Finding their need and saying, you know what? Because God's giving me life, I'm going to focus on you and your need and your world and your people and your situation. And in that, it could open a door, a bigger door than you ever thought. Finally, number 10, we can be there for people in the highs and lows of life. If you're there, you say like, well, I've known these people for 15, 20, 30 years. Like, how, how do I start to be a witness? You can be there because you're already in their world. You never know, well, God will open a door. I was talking to a guy just this week, and he was telling me he's had a friend for a long time, colleague that he works with, nowhere, just trying to share, giving them books, inviting them to church, nowhere. But there was a funeral of a, of a fellow colleague at work, and they happened to be in the car together and all those years of delayed hope opened up. And because he was already his friend, because he already knew he loved Jesus, because he already knew he cared, whereas before it was like, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone. Going home from the funeral became his open door. You can be there in the highs and lows of life. That's why friendship really matters. And a genuine friend is going to be there no matter what someone thinks about Jesus. So I may not spend all my time with someone. If they're living far from Jesus and their actions are so against the way of Jesus, i got to be careful. I'm not going to give all my time and energy to a lifestyle and a situation where people are blatantly rejecting the way of Jesus. But at the same token, someone could continue to be my friend. And if they reject Jesus... I shouldn't take that as, a, as an excuse to say, well, Lord, since they wrote you off, I'm going to write them off too. They remain my friend. I can pray for them. I can be with them. I can make my friends their friends. I can be patient. And guess what? Jesus is patient too. And if it takes a whole lifetime of your presence and towards the tail end of their life, they open up their heart and receive Jesus, then you know what? The 30 years was worth it. Frustrating, <laughs> but worth it. We can be there. All right, what do I do? I think one, one thing with one person. I think that's what it comes down to. And I want us to, to transition to worship with that in view. One thing with one person. There is one thing that you can, by God's grace, on that list of 10, there's one of them that has your name on it. Whether it's praying for them. We can all do that. 
And think of one thing with one person, not just like eventually, think this week. Uh, James tells us that hearing of the word changes nothing. But when we hear God's word, we ought to take action on it. And if God's wired you to be his witness, he's already created you to be that. And if God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all working and they may be more open than we realize, then maybe we can start with one, one person. Is there one, and they usually come to mind pretty quick, that seems to be far from Jesus, but that's not your heart for them. You would love to see them more connected to Jesus than they are right now. Okay, if, if you even have that heart, friend, where do you get that from? That's God's love. Because God's attitude is the same towards them. He doesn't want to see them live apart. He wants to see them live close. So let's start and ask God, God, give me the grace to do one thing, share one thing, convey one feeling, uh, serve one way, one thing with one person this week. And who knows what God may open up in your world. I'm going to give you space for a minute and give you the chance to vocalize that to God. Uh, take your Bible, just put it to the side, your notes to the side, just for a second. And before we respond with singing, I think it would make more sense if we, we said to God what He's already stirring in our soul. And we asked Him and invited Him, Holy Spirit, if you really empower people, I am frightened to death. And I would love a word of peace over my life. Well, I don't even know where to start, God. Can you point me in the right direction? And if he created the universe, can I just suggest this? He actually knows what you ought to do and what you ought to say. And he knows when. And he knows how. So let's just ask him. And then in a minute, uh, Brandon will invite us to stand and respond and worship to Jesus. But I'm going to just leave you with a chance to, to vocalize that to God.